You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer again. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. I gotta have an out-of-body experience. And I gotta have it right now. Cinematic Hi and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply a six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. Rules are simple. Whoever chooses this pod's movie sits out selection. One of the remaining hosts then chooses an actor or crew member to take our cinematic leap with, leaving our final host to then choose the next movie. You can't choose an actor or crew member that has been chosen within the last six choices. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. was, uh, and Glenn Greeny. I was trying to be a guest. Uh, hello. <laughs> Gentlemen, Ooh, how are we? Yeah, good. Yeah, not Pretty too bad. Good. All going well? Yep. Oh, very good. How about yourself, Scott? Yeah, can't complain. Yeah, a bit of a sc- scratchy throat, but that's all right. We're uh, we're all good. So, uh, so this week we are doing the Frighteners. Uh, it's a nineteen ninety six supernatural comedy horror directed by Peter Jackson. Stars Sir Peter Jackson. Oh, sorry, Sir Peter Jackson. Uh, stars Michael J. Fox, Trini Alvarado, Peter Dobson, Dee Wallace, and Jake Busey. Co-stars John Aston. Jeffrey Coombs and R. Lee Emery had a budget of $26 million, made $29.3 million. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 6.2 out of 10, IMDb 7.1 out of 10, Metascore of 52 out of 100. Michael, uh, you chose The Leaper, which got us to this movie, which was Michael J. Fox. Why? Um. I mean, there's so many reasons. Like, he's a fantastic actor. Like, you know, he's, um, you really relate to him. And I guess, like, you know, coming off Back to the Future is, you know, he has that sort of, you know, comic presence. And we talked about that last pod where he kind mm. of, like, you know, they replaced Eric Stotts with him. Um, and, you know, just good expressions, good acting. And, um, you know, and I guess I've grown up with him as well. Like, you know, all the way from Family Matters, you know, family, that as, family ties. Family, family ties, whatever it was. Um, you know, Back to the Future, the trilogy, and and yeah. Um, so yeah, it was good to watch this one. This actually was like you know, really this is last feature film. Yes, um, I did it, see that in the uh, the research today. Hmm. So yeah. Um, I don't know. He's just always been a, a great actor, and even like in stuff like the Concierge, and um, uh, there's a one where he was a doctor, like a country doctor. He's just a a re- relatable every man who you can get behind. So, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, Glenn, you chose the movie. Yes, I did, and then I changed my mind. And what was um, your uh, reasoning behind that? I, I changed my mind, and I'm doing Teen Wolf now. <clears throat> I should have let you guys know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm, I'm glad you did because the synopsis would have probably thrown us off, being that you got to run with that. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, so why did you choose the Frighteners? You can probably tell from last week when we recorded that I just didn't really know. I was a bit stumped, really, to to pick a Michael J. Fox movie, and uh, in the end, I think Michael basically suggested this one, and I went with it because I don't know. I thought we'd gone through a lot of Back to the Future. I didn't want to do another whole hour of talking about that again so soon. So I thought we'll go to something else. And yeah, I didn't want to ruin my memories of Teen Wolf. So um, I picked something I hadn't seen before. So which, you know, this podcast is is fun. Um, the fun thing about this podcast is seeing stuff I haven't seen before, which hasn't happened a lot so far. So um, this one I yeah deliberately picked that I hadn't hadn't picked, seen before. Yeah. Have you not seen it, Glenn? I thought you had. Because, like, you know, it was, we, you know, I remember, you know, falling asleep at your house back in the 90s watching what it was, Brain Den, like, you know, which is one of Peter Jackson's really early works. Um, I don't actually remember seeing the film, but I thought you would have kind of picked this one. Mm, No, never saw it. (laughs) No, I hadn't hadn't seen it uh, either. So, Glenn, I guess what were your thoughts going in? Well, I wasn't really sure. Like, I really just sort of stumbled around till I picked a movie last week. And then, um, yeah, I just didn't really know what to expect. I thought it was going to be more horror than what it was. Um, Yeah, but it was just Michael J. Fox being Michael J. Fox again, which, you know, is fun. Um, So, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, I was a bit the same. I'd I'd never seen this movie and really had no idea of the movie going in and I and I'd sort of hadn't really looked too much into it before today when I sort of sat down and watched it and after the opening I'm going what is this movie so I've had a quick look to see what where it was at and it's like you know a, as I said before a supernatural comedy horror and I'm going geez they're, <laughs> they're trying to cover a fair few bases here but um <laughs> yeah I went in with an open mind because I'm a bit like you guys I did grow up with Michael J Fox and obviously Back to the Future and Team Wolf and Doc Hollywood, I think, was the one, Michael, the, about the Doctor and the Concierge. So they were movies that I enjoyed when I was younger. So, yeah, going into to this, it seemed like a bit of a different sort of role for Michael J. Fox. So, yeah, went in with an open mind. Michael, you'd seen this yeah. one? Um, Own the Blu-ray. Like, it's, um, you know, it's not a it's not a film, like, you know, you go back to regularly, but, like, I saw it at the cinema um, and enjoyed it and... Um, yeah, I think I even watched it a couple of years ago. Like, you know, just kind of busted it out and said, let's watch this film. And yeah, I, I think I got I got a buzz out of it at the time and, you know, sort of enjoyed it since. Yep. So without, throw, without further ado, Michael, throw to the trailer. There has been a destructive force unleashed on this town such as I have never seen. <laughs> Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but uh, it's not going to be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee. That fellow takes us totally for granted. Hey, Stuart, in or out, huh? Frank Bannister had a remarkable ability. Psychic investigator? To communicate with the dead. 
You could see spirits? Emanations are normally confined to the cemetery. You cannot push spirits around! Although they do escape. And an uncanny knack. We're gonna scare the living daylights out of your parents. For making a profit off the living. We're supposed to be his business partners. Everyone says that you're a fraud, but I've seen what you can do. Give it up, Frank. Death ain't no way to make a living. But now... Some things put the fear of death in the living. What is happening to me? And send the dead yes! running for their lives. I've seen a figure in a cape. That was the soul collector. When your number's up, that's it. Frank, we got problems. All these murders that have been going on in Fairwater, they're going to pin them on you. Pictures and Robert Zemeckis. You're next, pal. And acclaimed director Peter Jackson. We don't stop till the screaming starts. You dead? The Frighteners. All right, so Michael, you did choose this movie as we've discussed. Uh, Leaper. So get... I chose the Leaper. Oh, sorry. Apologies. Uh, you did. You chose the Leaper. Glenn, you chose the movie, so you get to do the synopsis. Remember, there will be spoilers in this, so if you haven't seen the movie, turn off the podcast, watch the movie, and then come back to us. Over to you, Glenn. So the film starts with, um, opens with a woman um, and an old lady in a house full of ghosts that are apparently in the walls and floors, and um, then uh, they sort of chase chase this girl around, this woman around, and then... She gets a shotgun and shoots a ghost in the fa- in the head, and the head explodes. Which was my first like, oh, guns affect ghosts. This is weird. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we learn more about these characters later, um, and we next see a funeral procession, procession intercut with a journalist writing an article about death returning to the town, and um, they go on to talk about how death is nothing new to this town, as there was a serial killer in the past um, that killed a bunch of people. Um, we first see Michael J. Fox, who plays paranormal con man slash exterminator Frank Bannister. He's handing out his business cards at the funeral, advertising his services. Um, he gets asked to leave and drives very erratically away. Um, for some reason, I don't know why he drives like that, but that's he just drives like crazy for some reason, even though he had a car accident years earlier that um, ended up with his wife, I think, dying. Um yeah. Anyway, he crashes through a white picket fence of a young man um, who gets very angry, very unlikable straight away, and insists that um, Frank Bannister pays for um, the repairs to his fence. Um, and then we next meet a young woman, Lucy, uh, who it turns out is the partner of this guy who just had his fence destroyed. Um, she's a doctor and visiting the house from the opening scene. She tries to see the younger woman there, but he's kicked out by the old lady and told that um, Patricia, I think the younger one is, uh, doesn't leave the house and that she was involved in the killings that happened in the past, but doesn't really say much more than that. Um, <clears throat> we then see some newspaper stories about um, Johnny Bartlett, who killed 12 people before he was stopped. Um he was happy that he had the high score of murders um, when he was caught and executed. So he killed 12 people um, before he was stopped. And um, 
he was very pleased that it was one more than the 11 of the last serial killer who got 11. So anyway, yes, Scott. It's it's an interesting opening. And this is why I said before, like I had to go back and have a look at what what this movie was. Like, is it a horror? Is it a sci-fi? Is it a comedy? Because the start, it's sort of a little bit all over the shop and we'll, we'll discuss that more as we go. But... I wasn't quite sure what it was aiming for at the start. Well, I think it's completely to throw you off balance. It really is like it's like, you know, what's going on here? What is, you know, what's the go? I don't understand. It's obviously ghost. It's a pol- like that poltergeist kind of thing. Hmm. Um, you know, it's there to kind of set up the question about like, you know, what's going on in this town. So I reckon that's what it is. Yeah. Yep, a fair call. I, even I thought it was, I was even I was, I was like, like what is this about again like because you know, it's just a it's a like a scene that kind of doesn't really fit in the narrative until like you know things way later on yeah um, and even and like you know I was questioning as I went I was like you know what is this oh it's current like you know it's actually a, now it's not the past so and like for for a horror that I was expecting it started off like a Disney horror like it wasn't like it was a little bit lampoonish in sort of well, in, in the title sequence, but I think they were going for a PG with this film. It's like it was meant to be that PG, but I think it got upped because of some of the intensity of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, after this, um, the fence guy, who's I think his name's Ray, um, and Lucy, uh, yes, it is. Lucy start having a, a haunting in their house. Their bed goes up in the air, and all the things start floating around the kitchen. Um, and they just happened at this same time. They happened to find a business card for Frank Frank's services. Um, so she insists that they call call Frank to help with the ghost problem. Um, and Frank comes along, and yeah, it turns out that this this job is going to cost more than it, the fence is going to cost to repair. So that works out nicely for him. Um, nice coincidence there. Um, he goes and does some silly ghost eliminating stuff which looks pretty fake to me um and then just before he leaves though he sees the number 37 written on the guy's head on the, on the guy's forehead um i was at this point i was thinking is this 37 is like how many days he has left to live or something or is it like maybe how many hours he has left to live that's what i was thinking at this point um yeah. but um we'll find out later what that was um so then frank goes home and then we meet his ghost friends who um, he uses to haunt houses. So um, he, his ghost friends um, go off and haunt the house and take the business card with them. And um, somehow ghosts can carry business cards, but they go through most things. Um, and it's uh, <laughs> good point. Um, so that's if you haven't learned anything from Patrick Swayze, is they can affect the physical environment with extreme emotion. Well, I'll let that yeah. from Ghost. <laughs> uh, and um, so soon after this, Ray, the fence guy, dies of a heart attack. Um, so he soon, yeah, so he soon sees another, um, a bit later on, he sees another number on a person's forehead, number 38. And this is when I realised that, okay, this is obviously a body count number and it's probably this serial killer from before who got to 12. Um, and he's still counting his um, victims. Um, so he um, appears as a Grim Reaper type figure and grabs people's hearts to kill them. So it looks like they die of a heart attack. 
basically. Um, so Frank is the only, I'm skipping over all the bits that aren't related. Um, Frank is the only one that can see the forehead numbers and so he knows who will die next. Um, this puts Frank under suspicion with the police and the FBI. Um, who uh, the FBI agent is convinced Frank is responsible. Um, he keeps seeing these numbers in people's foreheads and then he tries to help them and then they die. So it's, yeah, he's doesn't look good for him. I think this is, um, that's the character of Milton yes. Demers, um, played by Jeffrey Coombs. And Jesus is like, you know, such an eccentric performance. It's, it's oh, he's so, so creepy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, and, but again, these are the, like, you know, when you're great actors are kind of like, you know, playing there their work like you know doing their craft you're going wow you're really yeah i looked him up in case we would i thought he was a standout like you might want to choose as the leaper but then i looked at all these other films and they're all these b-grade sort of horror um sort of things so Mm. i'm guessing he plays similar he's done he does a lot of well yeah he does a lot of television and it's not always like creepy stuff like he's done yeah like you know there's he's you know being a star trek fan he's done a lot of um, Star Trek stuff where he plays like you know aliens and and that kind of stuff and you know and good foils like that like you know it's not always a creepy character but um certainly uh, Peter Jackson kind of wanted Jeff Coombs for this role um, because of his work in the Reanimator I was like yeah that that guy can we get that guy for this role because Reanimator I haven't seen it but yeah apparently really liked it I must say it's about this time where because um. Frank, Michael J. Fox's character, is starting to, you know, spend a bit of time with, with with Lucy. And I'm thinking, is this just some sort of shitty ghost ripoff? Because that's where it, was, it felt like it was heading. Like, yeah, there's sort of a little bit of a love story in the background. There's, you've got, he can, only he can see ghosts and others can't. And it was just, I'm just going, what the hell is this? So I checked and the yeah, ghost was 1990 mm-hmm. and this was 1996. And I'm thinking, oh, are they just doing that? And they seem to be paying, like, there seem to be some, Ghostbusters ripoffs in there, and um, I think later we see a couple of like homages to uh, the the Shining. So it was, yeah, I gotta love a good homage. Oh, I do. I did enjoy the Shining as a movie. So, but it was a bit all over the shop at this stage. Yeah, and so he, the um, newspaper editor who's been putting, you know, in the newspaper that he's a con man and all this stuff. She's she's the next victim. He's, he sees the number on her forehead and he tries to rescue her and save her, but doesn't work out and she gets killed by the mysterious Grim Reaper spirit thing. Um, and he's right there at the time. So, yeah. And this is, this whole, that sequence there um, is a, like it's a reenactment in some ways of how his wife died. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's, he's driving, you know, aggressively and erratically because he's obviously trying to get somewhere and um, comes off the road. I think it's the same road in the movie. Um and, you know, careens off, they crash, he gets out there, you're a madman. Um, and that's when, you know, the death um, strikes and sort of, you know, and kills her. Um, and she keeps thinking it's him. Um, and I think he has flashbacks there of like, you know. Yeah, you know, that's where you start happened. to see the, what happened to his wife. Hmm. And to be honest, this is where I think this movie really kicked on. This is where um, <laughs> the movie that seemed to be going in multiple directions seems to find its lane and and this is where I think it really starts to kick on. Hmm. Yeah, so he gets arrested for her murder basically and um, yeah, um, Lucy investigates the murders and becomes a target of the Grim Reaper. Um, She gets attacked while visiting Frank in jail um, but they escape with the help of Frank's ghost friends who 
are both dissolved in the process. Um, Frank wants to commit suicide to stop the Grim, Grim Reaper. Um, Lucy helps Frank have a near-death experience by putting him in a freezer and using some drugs to stop his heart for a bit. Um, but then the crazy FBI guy um, abducts Lucy, and she, um, but she does quickly escape you know, in time to revive Frank. Um, so while Frank is a ghost... There's an actually a really interesting sequence in that whole thing was about like where he's backstory and why he's so crazy. Oh yeah, um, he's like you know years under you know with the cult and um, it's peculiar and funny. <laughs> you just go, why are you a creep? Um, yes, there is a whole thing. <laughs> um, so he, when Frank is a ghost in his ghost form, he confronts the Grim Reaper and discovers that he's the ghost of Johnny Bartlett. The psychiatric hospital orderly who killed 12 people in 1964 um, before he was captured and executed. Um, yeah, and newspaper reports reveal that his greatest desire was to become the most prolific serial killer. Um, and yeah, he's obviously his body count is going up with each number. And Patricia, the uh, who was then a teenager, um, was accused as his accomplice, although she escaped the death penalty due to her underage status. So... I think she even, like, they throw doubt on her actual guilt. Like, you know, oh, she was just swept up in it. She's fell in love with the wrong guy. I think that's how she's... Mm. Yeah, it's like, you know, she didn't actually do much. Um, You know, that's why she's, like, you know, um, you know, she's at home. Like, you know, she hasn't spent... I don't think she's really paid for the crime. Yep, yep. So um, they go to visit Patricia after Frank gets resuscitated. Um and uh, but unknown to them, Patricia is still in love with Bartlett and on friendly homicidal terms with Bartlett's ghost, and eventually kills her own mother, who had been trying to monitor her daughter's behaviour. Um, Lucy and Frank trap Bartlett's spirit in his urn, which Patricia has kept. The pair make for the chapel of the now abandoned psychiatric hospital, hoping to send Bartlett's ghost to hell. <clears throat> um, Patricia and Dammers, the FBI agent, chase them through the ruins of the hospital. Um, the FBI guy throws the ashes away, releasing Bartlett's ghost again um, before Patricia kills him. Bartlett's ghost and Patricia hunt down Frank and Lucy. Frank realises that Bartlett's ghost, with Patricia's help, was responsible for his wife's death and the number on her brow, and that he is still trying to add to his body count even after his death. Um, Patricia, there's a chase whole chase sequence and um, what's going on. But she, Patricia, runs out of bullets and then strangles Frank to death. And Frank is again a ghost, and in spirit form, he rips Patricia's um, spirit from her body, forcing Bartlett to follow them as they ascend up through the towards the light. Um, Bartlett grabs Patricia's ghost while Frank makes it to heaven. Um, where he's, re- he's reunited with his ghost friends, along with his wife, Deborah. Um, Bartlett, Bartlett and Patricia um, try to go back so they can claim more lives, but the portal turns quickly to a demonic-looking appearance, and they are both dragged to hell by a giant worm-like creature. Um, Frank learns that it is not yet his time, and he's sent back to his body, um, and his wife, his dead wife, tells him to be happy. So Frank and Lucy fall in love. 
Um, Lucy is now able to see ghosts as well because being able to see ghosts um, in this story is a thing that happens when you go through a traumatic experience, which happened when um, Frank lost his wife in a car accident and now Lucy's gone through a pretty traumatic experience as well. So they can both see the ghosts now. Um, Frank uh, starts demolishing his unfinished dream house and building a life with Lucy. Um, yes. That's it. That's pretty much the end. Yeah, they have a picnic. <laughs> I just yeah. skip over the sheriff visits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, glad I got through that. Huh. Well done. All right. Uh, so now it's time we, we go through our categories, cast and characters. Michael, I'll throw to you first. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I thought, uh, yeah, Jeffrey Coombs was a, a um, something interesting to watch. Um, and, like, just his affectations and, um, and like, the way he played the, like, the intimidating women. Like, um, yeah, it was just, it was as funny as peculiar and I guess... Yeah, I mean, you wonder why the character, but like you know, the, the fact that the character is kind of builds on the story. Kind of, he is essentially an antagonist to kind of get in the way of the living people. Um, the, the Harry, um, you know, Frank and and Lucy and their efforts. Um, and yeah, it's that was it was a delightful performance. I think, like you know, kind of you know, it was peculiar and, and interesting. Um, I think Jake Boosie like really nails Johnny Barlow. Like his Johnny Barlow was kind of intense and and like you know um just gave it like it was really good um michael j fox always entertaining it's interesting i think you can actually start seeing like you know haven't seen him you know through spin city and all that kind of stuff like later on you can see where this is you know um that his parkinson's is kind of affecting like you know how he kind of moves in some ways like you know that's kind of stuff he does later on and not really before then um but, like, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's like, you know, it's him. And it was interesting to see him with, like, such a closer cropped hairstyle that kind of, you know, that made him look like a different character. So, um, I think, uh, where is she? Uh, Trini Alvarado, like, you know, as Lucy, she was she was entertaining, like, you know, but um, I guess wasn't given as much to play with in terms of, like, you know, acting. Um and D. Wallace as Patricia Bradley was like just a maniac in the end. Like it was, that was great to watch. Um, yeah, I think like you know, I, I enjoyed the performances. Um, so you know, and I guess like you know John Aston as the judge that was hilarious. Um, oh, the sheriff what's his name? Troy um, Evans, Troy sheriff Evans. Walt Perry. Yeah. Um, He's just like he's played that sheriff role before, and he and he knows it as that warm sort of thing. So, um, I thought the ghosts were fun. Um, that was Jim McBride and Jim Five, as you know, Cyrus and Stewart. Um, yeah, right. I, I enjoyed it. Like you know, they're no Oscar-winning performances, but you know, collectively they were a good cast. Yeah, I um, for me, I I I love Michael J. Fox, and and I think he's he. It was a lot more of a serious role in a lot of ways which was nice to see him do that i haven't seen him a lot of any more to any sort of serious um movies so to see him do something different was good but then you could still see in some ways that it was like having marty mcfly in a horror movie Mm. um he's still got that comedic timing he's still got that um energy and athleticism you know 
like he when he gets you know hit by cars and all this sort of stuff you can see that you know he's still got the ability to do that himself at that stage and um yeah i thought he was really nice in this i thought he played played the role really well um jake Busey, 100 percent agree he was awesome and just looked scary as buggery when he when he wanted to um so i enjoyed him in this trini alvarado i thought she was really good uh, i really enjoyed her performance i thought her and um, michael j fox had a really nice chemistry and mm. I was surprised that she didn't seem to do a lot more. I mean, I looked on Letterboxd, so maybe she's done more TV, but she wasn't. She didn't seem to be any really decent movies after this. And maybe because oh, yeah. this wasn't a raging success, maybe that's why. Um, Jeffrey Combs, Coombs, I know you liked it, Michael. I, <laughs> I have no idea why he was even in the movie at all. Like, I know you said he was like a protagonist for the living people, but it just seemed like a wasted character. I don't know what he was there for. Was he there to be that? Was he there for the some comedic moments? I don't know. It's a bit it of both. Just... It's definitely kind of is an obstacle. Like, you know, um, and I guess, like, you know, if you've got a number of deaths happening, you're going to get, you know, a, you know, FBI sort of presence if, like, you know, there's a serial killer vibe. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, that's the you know pretense of him rocking up. The fact that it's him as a weird kind of guy, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, but I he just... really he is just an obstacle. Like, you know, he's a, he's a way to block um, those people from doing what they need to do to get to the their goal. Yeah, but you could have just done that with the local police and it would have still worked as well. It just, it's just this, this weird character that I don't quite know. It, it didn't further the plot. It was like he was there for some sort of half comedic moments and half, I don't even, just to be annoying. I don't know. And I thought you could have easily filled his role. You could have, you know, had Troy Evans's role as Walt Perry expanded. You could have had another one of the deputies in an expanded role. So um, I think there's the, the element, though, is that they're community based, like, you know, so they know Frank. Um, whereas I guess, like, you know, uh, the. The Dammers character is about like you know, um, you know he's he knows all and you know I've been through these crazy things so I'm gonna stop you because I think you're a crazy nut job, even though he is a crazy nut job himself. Yeah, he's um, more of a crazy nut job than anyone yeah. else. But yeah, I don't know. I just I just found it was a bit of a pointless character. He, His performance was good, but I just hmm. I just didn't see the the point hmm. of it. They should have they could have expanded others and, yeah. and not worried about it. But, I can see your point, Glenn. Uh, yeah, I had. Very little to say about the actors. I thought they were all, you know, nothing stand out except, yeah, that creepy guy was really creepy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe that's just, I don't know if that's just his thing. Um, yeah, Michael J. Fox, he was just like watching Marty, like you said, Marty McFly in a horror movie. Um, you know, good to, fun to watch. But, yeah, nothing to to stand out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, while we're with you, Glenn, favourite scene? I didn't really, yeah, it's a bit hard to pick a favourite scene. One, i tell you a favourite shot, um, which is when that uh, yep. FBI, it, in the big finale at the end, the big, um, in the hospital there, the FBI guy's laying down and um, gets kicked in the side and the gun just pops up. <laughs> he just catches the gun <laughs> out of the air. I thought that was really a fun shot. Um, obviously, just not... Um, likely to happen, but um, just looked great and funny. I loved that shot. <laughs> and another scene that I enjoyed and 
this is probably because it's very similar to Ghost, but that restaurant scene where the boyfriend was talking to Michael J. Fox, tell her this, tell her that, and he's talking, communicating to her, and, you know, oh, we always have red wine, and she's like, I never liked red wine, you know, and, yeah, I, I kind of liked that scene. That was just <laughs> kind of fun. Um, I, I guess, yeah, Ghost did it better, but um, in this movie, it was what fun. Is it, I guess... It was that's like a the, piss take of, of yeah. Ghost, I think, yeah. yeah. Michael, favourite scene? Ooh. Um, I really like the... There's the flashbacks at the end towards the, the... Like, you know, in the hospital and the climax. Like, you know, there was kind of like... You know, it had swap and it really is disorientating, but, like, it really gave you the kind of, you know, the nature of what they'd done. It's like, you know, finally that secret is revealed. What else? Uh, oh, the... I think that that dining scene too was pretty funny. Um, Actually, that's another good character. His that. character was, even though he was a you know obviously unlikable character, that's what I meant to say with the um, actors as well. Like he, I thought he was really good. Mm. He was very yeah, like he, if he wanted to, his purpose of being a character was really just to be there as someone that was annoying <laughs> and punchable. Yeah. Like yeah. you just you, he was just just annoying the absolute crap out of you. And he did it well. He played <laughs> <Yeah>. it perfectly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He played it perfectly. Um, but I did enjoy the sequence where he was, like, you know, out of body. Um, so, like, you know, he's had his, you know, he's going through his near-death experience. Um, he's floating around and, you know, trying to get to the um, to death, you know, a.k.a. Johnny Barlett. Um, and, you know, he's running into the graveyard. And then, of course, we see um, the, you know, the sergeant or the, the master sergeant um, who'd been earlier kind of, tearing you know um michael j fox's character frank a, a new one um for you know i don't like you in here um yeah like you know, so that was gonna that was entertaining to watch and of course then um uh the fact that you know death kind of just rips through him um but that was that was actually yeah that was that was fun to watch and then of course like you know we get the reveal where like you know um frank finally gets the better of um, Johnny Bartlett and then we see who he is it's like you know right now we've got a it's like it's you it's like yeah man I'm gonna get me my kills like that was that was an enjoyable sequence and it kind of like you know you know started you know like you said post that area kind of is sort of unraveling the, the mystery and where we're going yeah for me I actually enjoyed the opening um, it, it, you, you know you open it opens up and, and we're sort of it's like you're flying around this house and then you go in and then bang it's just we're on straight away um no beg your pardons just straight into it which i thought was really good and it sort of set up i guess what we're going to have for the rest of the movie um i too enjoyed the hospital flashbacks um and just the general the last chase scene we actually had you sort of had two chases going concurrently um which i enjoyed so yeah i thought it was i thought that that was probably my most enjoyable parts other enjoyable aspects the i mean going on from what glenn was saying earlier with the shots um there was the one where michael j fox drops through the floor and that's where um um Dammers gets like you know shot in the head that was kind of mm. that was pretty funny um, I thought like the, the the effects you could tell were dated, like you know they were from the nineties, but you know some of them were pretty good, and like you know I guess mixed with some practical effects, um, 
you know, it's like, yeah, that was like that. The death aspect was pretty scary. There were times when it was like, you know, that doesn't, the texture looks off. Um, yeah. but other times that was like spot the on. The car accident was really Yeah, bad. I thought they, <laughs> I thought they held up okay, considering that we're a long, I mean, this was 1996. Um, so I thought they held up pretty well. Hmm. Um, I thought Danny Elfman's score was, was good. Like that was fun. Um, you know, it kind of really kept that sort of, uh, like consistency across the whole movie um, where it's sort of like, you know, you had the, the horror, but also there's that, you know, playing on that comedy element. I thought the um, score, I, that, that was one of the first things I noticed, that opening scene before the title comes up, that house with the ghosts in the walls. And I actually wrote in my notes, I was like, this music is over the top. Like it's just straight into it, like full on really epic sort of score. And I was just like, wow, this is really yeah. too much. And I saw it was Danny Elfman after that. And I was like, oh, Really? Okay, but yep. yeah, I just thought it went a bit too hard too early. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was one of the reasons why I enjoyed the opening of it was because it did. It went, there was yeah, just straight into it. Mm. It was good. Um, I don't know. I think like uh, it was like I really enjoyed the reckless driving, not because I like <laughs> reckless driving. It was just kind of kind of funny. Um, and they actually picked their their town really well to have that sort of things where you can cut across things and it's unnecessary um, though I didn't it, it, I mean in some <laughs> ways but I think it spoke to the self destructive na- nature of um of the character like it kind of you know whilst you know he's damaged and broken and like you know um you know there's nothing like he's just you know free wheeling everywhere and you know that kind of spoke to me with that um. Yeah, I think visually it looked good and, um, you know, there's no kind of obvious cutting issues. Um, yeah. Yeah. Glenn, other aspects you enjoyed? Yeah, not a lot. I Yeah, I didn't like a lot of the effects. I didn't like... Um, I did like that shot with Michael J. Fox falling through the six floors or whatever it was. That was good. Um, yeah, but... Uh, no, I can't think of anything. I did like the the way they did structure the flashbacks in was interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. For me, under two hours, always <laughs> gets a gets a tick always. Um, and two, it was under two hours, but I thought the pacing was really good. It start with bang straight away. We're into it. Good strong start, and it continued to flow. It continued to move. There were really no dead patches throughout the movie. Um, which I thought was well done. And as I said, I thought the special effects held up pretty well, considering that we're looking at a movie from, what, 16 years ago, 26 years okay. ago. Look at other ghost yeah. movies from around that time. Though. I think they're a lot better. Which, one yeah, you, they, which ones are you talking about? I'm not, but um, even, <laughs> even Ghost, even Ghost, which was five years, six years earlier. Yeah, but Ghost doesn't use any digital effects. It's all kind of... You know, green screen and like it's nothing kind of really cutting edge about it. Well, you look at the ghost from Ghost into this. There's probably not a great deal of difference. I guess this one's got more action sequences, so they they probably had to rely on special effects more. Um, but for a, a budget of what twenty six million, they probably didn't have a heap of uh, of money available to to really tile that down. Maybe not sure. But I thought they held up okay, considering that it is a 26-year-old movie. Something like- well, it's interesting you say that because the, the computers they got 
Like they like probably part of that budget was buying the computers for the actual effects, um, which they went on to use for Lord of the Rings. So like you know, they had I guess it's you know it's probably around experience at the time and you know how much you push it. Um, but it was really early in the the whole thing. Like three years later, you get the Matrix. So budget probably definitely played a lot into it. Yeah, but then five years before you had T two, so yeah, it's. But I guess the budget for that would have, I would assume, would swamp what this was. But how many effects shots are there? Like they would have, you know, they would have meticulously planned those effect shots at the time. Like you know, you, um, and even in the Frighteners, the like you know, elements of it are practical effects versus digital effects. So they have done that kind of combo: practical, digital. Like the there are scenes where the um, death is an actual thing, and you could tell, like you know, they're the ones you kind of go, "Oh, actually, that's quite creepy." Um, you know, they've used a practical effect there and like, cause they had an anima animatronic sort of thing. Um, but yeah, still, I think it was early at the time, you know? Yep. Questions, queries, tidbits. Glenn, I'll throw to you. Um, yeah, just the inconsistency, I think of the, the ghosts, it was just a bit, I, I couldn't really follow it. It was like some of the ghosts, they can only appear through a wall or, you know, or a carpet or like they can't come into the room or something, but then all of a sudden they're in the table, pushing through the table as well. So I'm like, are they in the room now? But put, why do they want to hide behind the table if they're trying to get through? Anyway, that first scene, I was just like, what is this ghost? This is weird. Like how are they in, in, stuck in the walls, but then they can get to the table? And I was just confused. Um, and just the other inconsistency where some things could like, hit the ghost and some things couldn't like they could go through for example he the ghost puts his head through the car bonnet but then the fan on the motor starts and it's just smacks his face up and just like hang on if he can choose where he that he can go through the bonnet why wouldn't he choose also to that not uh, it's just weird and um yep what, what was the other one um i guess it was playing for comedy you know you know it's kind of funny a, a ghost can go through stuff or walk through a person or but then all of a sudden ghosts get hit by trucks and get run over and i'm like just confused <laughs> like it's just inconsistent <laughs> um and um the ghost that had ghost guns like how does a gun die like it, it was holding a ghost gun like i was that was just i didn't <laughs> you talk about the, the you talk about the sergeant yeah right? probably yeah i don't know but I think I think he was more than just a like a ghost. I think he's actually like a proper spirit because um, it implies that he's there for a hundred years to kind of keep an eye on the shit that's but there. There was another like ghost, ghost gun as well. There was stuff. like a machine gun one um, as well. Yeah, that, oh, so that's what oh, I'm yeah. talking about. You're talking about the judge. I'm talking about both. Yeah, yeah, the judge also had a gun. It's just weird, yeah. and they could also they're ghosts, so they can't. I don't know. They just confuse me. <laughs> Um, that's mainly mainly my questions. Yeah, just the inconsistency with the ghosts. Just yeah, mate. Yeah, I'll I'll come to you last, Michael. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Now, obviously, things did turn, but this is—is is this the first time that Michael J. Fox really plays an asshole? Like he was a, a like he's always sort of been that lovable larrikin, I guess. Um, well. I think Doc Hollywood, he probably does something similar, a similar sort of thing, but he's never been, I don't know, like what he was in this. Um, he played a, yeah, a pretty 
a person that you weren't really a big fan of at the start of the movie. Um, as I said before, is this just a shitty ripoff of Ghost? I think it's a shitty ripoff of a few movies. Um, <laughs> they'll say playing homage, but yeah, it's probably a little bit of a little bit of that. I've got to come um, back to the. I've got to come back to the arsehole part. Have you met yeah. Alex P. Keaton? Fair point. He's a Republican. Yep. Like he he <laughs> doesn't care about. But he's an asshole. But yeah, like- no, fair point. Yeah, good call. Good call. Yeah, uh, very good call. Uh, as I said before, why do we need the FBI guy? I I I didn't. I just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> get, get why we needed that. Um, Glenn actually, I think, answered this question for me. How does Frank kill Patricia at the end? Does she steal? Does he steal her soul? And I think Glenn pointed that out to me. Um, so we go to the opening scene. Patricia's getting attacked by the ghost in the wall, which we find out is um, Johnny Bartlett. What? So why is Johnny attacking? Her. It's an excellent question. Yeah. Maybe just domestic violence. I don't know. He's an arsehole. Maybe. He's a serial killer. Weird. Um, but then he gets shot. The carpet gets shot and he runs away. I, that part I didn't quite yeah. Um, yeah. I understand. Yeah, I think it's there to set up questions. You know, like many questions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think. I mean, I, it's probably set up so that you don't think that Patricia is part of it, and then when they do the twist, which I thought the twist was well done. Even though I think we all probably had suspicions, I still mm. think once it was, once you were shown, I oh, know, hang on, she's actually involved in this. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. I think no, this it, is good. It probably could have gone for a different way, like that opening scene. I think, like it, it is a bit odd, and wouldn't it have just been better to kind of maybe see that death character strike properly, like you know, takes a um, a life, you know, so we kind of really see that death thing at the beginning. Um, yeah, number thirty-six or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Michael? Any questions, queries, tidbits? Well, there's there's one that like there's at least one thing where I thought, oh, is that? I don't. Know, does that? It's a weird joke, and it's um in the museum where the Egyptian stuff is going on, and <laughs> the judge goes, "Hey, how you doing?" Um, and like basically walks into the sarcophagus. <sighs> Um, that whole part was yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like you, and like it falls over, and then he pops his head out. It's like you know, I like it when they lay still. It's like, oh my god, is that? Yeah. So I, is that joke? Yeah, like that is not age well. Um, no, <laughs> no they, I did notice that. It's like that whole sequence was like what? 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 <laughs> it was just yeah. yeah. Uh. Hmm. Anyway, that was that was kind of like you know that was like what. I don't think I've seen that a few times in gone. What's going on there? Um, yeah, and I think like you're not wrong, Scott. Like you know, the the FBI characters, like you know, it is off kilter. Like you know, and I wonder, you know, could it have been a little bit more tight? Mm. You know, I I like that you know there's a separate antagonist for the people. Um, you know, the FBI agent because like it kept that sort of friendly community sheriff thing going on. Someone a sympathetic character who understands what Frank has been through, um, but he was a little bit, you know, there was that all that backstory that was kind of like, ours is quite relevant, you know. Yeah. Anything else? No, that's it really. All right. Well, you might as well keep talking because we go to trivia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Um, Michael J. Fox repeatedly blew his lines by calling the judge. 
uh, Doc, the name <laughs> really? Christopher Lloyd's character. Yep, in the Back to the Future. Um, obviously, a similar face or something like that. Or it's many years later. Um, yeah. uh, a decade. Oh well, I suppose not after Back to the Future Three. It's only like six years or something. Still. Um, yeah. Uh, it was during filming this. Oh, uh, during filming on location, Michael uh, New Ze- uh, in New Zealand, that Michael J. Fox made up his mind that he had enough of being away from his family, uh, making movies, and decided to head back to the small screen and star in new sitcom Spin City. Uh, and this turned out to be his last leading role in a live action film. He obviously did a lot of stuff, you know, voice characters. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, I mentioned before that during uh, this product, you know, towards the end of the production. Um, so Peter Jackson's gone, what am I going to do with all these 37 effects computers? And that's when they kind of got, let's do Lord of the Rings. Um, which, you know, I guess this movie is really important in that kind of Lord of the Rings journey. Um, and Scott, we will get there one day. That Those movies are not under two hours, so you know. <laughs> no, no, they're not. No. Um, no other actor than Michael J. Fox was considered for the role of Frank Bannister. Uh, basically, Sir Peter Jackson and Dane Fran Walsh just said, and meeting with Robert Zemeckis, and they've just gone, uh, Michael J. Fox, and they've gone, yeah, let's send him the script. And he's just gone, yep. Uh, Michael J. Fox performed many of his own stunts in the film. Ironically, he broke his foot by a simple fall while filming in the forest at night. Uh, Sir Peter Jackson said Fox's injury was actually a blessing in disguise because it allowed him to work on the script some more and edit some of the film scenes while Fox recovered. Um... Danny Elf was so impressed with Sir Peter Jackson's previous movie, Heavenly Creatures, that he offered to do the score for one of Jackson's next movies and agreed to this movie without even knowing what it was about. Just get, I'll do it. Um, Jeffrey Coombs suggested that the you know um, the character have an Adolf Hitler-inspired haircut for his character to show Milton Dammer's extreme sense of nationalism after serving his country for so long. Coombs also suggested two ear appliances, which made his ears stick out quite comically, and several of the Dammer's chest tattoos. Um, and I guess the uh, uh, Peter Jackson and Robert Zemeckis unsuccessfully campaigned for the film to be released in October 1996 for Halloween. Um, the studio have a th- wanted it for a summer release, which is obviously earlier in the Northern Hemisphere, and yep. ultimately backfired as it didn't do well in grossings. Probably would have been a great Halloween film. Yeah, it would have made a lot more sense if they'd released it then. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, probably why it didn't, wasn't as successful as they would have hoped. Beautiful. That's it. Final thoughts and our rating. Glenn, I'll throw to you first. Michael, I'll leave you till last. Okay. Being- Actually, no, sorry. I will throw to you first, Michael, and I'll leave Glenn to last because this was Glenn's movie. Fair enough. Um, this, you know, I guess I'm, I'm into sort of like, you know, uh, this is not a sci-fi, but like, you know, that sort of um, fun horror, like, you know, not dark horror, like that comedic horror, and which is this falls right into. Um, Michael J. Fox is always a pleasure to watch, and I, I'm a big fan of Sir Peter Jackson's work. Um yeah, and this film was no different. Like, you know, you you put aside some of the like dated effects and you go through the like, you know, interest like the, the roller coaster there's the story and it's an entertaining watch. Like, you know, it's nothing um you know, absolutely sort of, you know, mind blowing, but you know, it'll keep you entertained for just under two hours. Um so for me this is a six and a half, seven, somewhere there. 
All right, so 6.75. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> oh, gosh, we can do that, can we? God. Yeah, apparently we can. It's a new 0.01. thing. Absolutely. Oh, man. No, maybe not that, but <clears throat> we, we stick to the quarters. Um, I'm actually probably not far off from you, Michael. I, I rated this as six. Um, genu- generally speaking, it was an enjoyable movie. It kept me entertained for two hours. Um I think it started well and it moved quickly. Um, and under two hours, again, we had a lot of action. We had a lot of good set-piece sequences. It kept itself moving, um, which I enjoyed. I don't know if it ever really knew what it was. It it seemed to try and be comedic, a horror, had a bit, obviously you know, that supernatural element. Um, I don't know if it ever really hit any of the genres that it was trying to. Like, I don't think it hit them well enough. Um, but I thought the aspects of each was was okay. It did pay a lot of homages or um, or, or rip off other movies in terms of mm-hmm. Ghost and The Shining and Ghostbusters. And, yeah, there's there's probably several more if I, if I really wanted to go through them all. But um, overall, I enjoyed it. I'd, would I watch it again tomorrow? Probably not, but, you know... If I was flicking through on TV and, it, and I saw it had just started and it was late at night and I had nothing else to do, then I'd probably stick with it for a while. So I'm going to, I'm happy to stick with the six. So, uh, Glenn, you're the final voice. My score, I don't know if it's because I just wasn't in the mood to watch this movie at this time or what it is, but um, my score is four. Four? It, it was better than uh, it was better than Jesse James, um, but it wasn't as good as some other films that I've given you know five or six to. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give it a four. Just um, brutal, like, brutal. Yeah, I don't know. Just wasn't the right time. For All me. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with my maths working, that uh, that gives us a score of sixteen point seven five. Uh, which puts it into the number 14 position. Yeah. Mm. It is uh, not as good. It wasn't as good as We Are Marshall, uh, but it was better than The Men Who Stare at mm-hmm. Goats. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Back to the Future is still our, well, is our top-rated movie and probably will be for a while with a perfect, <laughs> a, literally a perfect score of 30 out of 30. Um, Martian still second with 26 and a half. Ghostbusters third with 20, uh, sorry, fourth with, no, sorry, third with 24, and where the Millers at 22.5. Um, obviously, socials, Glenn, we're on Spotify and, and we're starting to get a few uh, listens and views and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, we're on uh, Facebook, Cinematic Leap, will find us, and um, Twitter, Cinematic Leap as well. Um, that's all we've got for now, but who knows, by the time this comes out, we might have more. <laughs> we'll do a TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Yeah, we'll do some dancing. That'll be a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, let's not get to that point. <laughs> now, Michael, you wanted to give a, a shout-out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the um, musician who put together our opening sequence, um, Stephen Perry, um, it's a, I love it, and he's a great, talented musician. So big thank you to you, mate. Um, yeah. That's Massive thanks. It. Yeah. Yeah, that massive thanks uh, certainly from myself and I'm sure from yes. all of us. Uh, and it's one thing that a lot of people that have listened to the podcast have commented how how good the opening is. So that's a credit to obviously 
uh, both Steve and yourself, Michael, for, uh, for getting those. But no, thank you. Um, which now means it's time to take our... Cinematic Loop. All right. So where were we? I just get to sit back. So I do... <laughs> you just get to relax. So I get to choose the leaper. Michael, you get to choose the movie. Yep. Now, this movie didn't have a lot of options, or had a lot of options, but not a lot of good ones. Um, and really, it was down to two for me. Um, I wasn't going. Look, I wasn't going to go Peter Jackson because I knew exactly where that'd take us. And I'm brain dead. Is that what you're yeah. worried about? Brain dead, yeah. or was it the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt actually when I looked at the Lord of the Rings, not that I'm overly keen to watch them, but geez, there's some. A lot of actors in them that you could take some really good leaps. Oh from. yeah, there's such a massive cast, and it's very exciting. Um, so my first choice was Robert Zemeckis, uh, who was the producer. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, that could get us back onto the Back to the Future path if we wanted to go down that way. Or, um, but if you look at some of his other movies, we've you know Forrest Gump and Castaway, Flight, um, Polar Express, Contact. Like he had some really good options. Um, but I, I'm keen to sort of take, I'm keen to do one movie and I think I'm hoping we'll pick it. So I'm going to go Jake Busey oh. as, as the, uh, as our leaper Jake this time. Busey. Well, uh, look, there's only one choice we can go and that's time, Bob. No, it's not. I don't know. I'm scrolling through his list of films. Um, and that's what he's in apparently. Uh, look, Starship Troopers, without a doubt. That's where we're going. Yes. Um, I'm sure you don't want to do it's... Christmas with the Cranks. Uh, I'm certain. Like, um, <laughs> I love Starship Troopers. It is a like when it came out as an underrated film. I don't know if it's still like it's probably got a massive cult following now. But it did spawn a number of kind of um, sequels that were kind of a lot of B grade stuff. Um, I haven't watched any of them, but uh, yeah, it's a great movie. Michael, um, Michael, Paul, uh, just before you make your final final choice, this is the last uh, chance we probably get to get to Beverly Hills Chihuahua Three. <laughs> I mean, you could have gone with so many other. Like, there's Enemy of the State there, Contact. Is there a Twister who's in there? Yeah, Twister. Um, no, Starship Troopers, easily. Bang. That's where we yeah. go. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to Oh, this is where I was hoping we'd go. Um, because I think it was a really underappreciated movie at the time, and I don't think people actually understood it. Mm, absolutely. So it'll be good to go back and, and actually have a proper watch um, with probably a bit more of a critical view that we probably get now these days when that we do a podcast but um yeah i'm really looking forward to it i was the same i loved it as a um growing up and yeah really looking forward to going back for a for a watch there is stacks of analysis on it like since then like lots of people have mm. kind of watched it and gone this is all this stuff you know um definitely have a look at it uh i certainly will be yeah <laughs> all, right. all right beautiful well that was the frighteners uh, but certainly join us again when we uh, do Starship Troopers. Thank you. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Loop.